You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome to the Drawing Board Podcast. The Drawing Board Nation welcomes everyone near and far. We are on the last day of the sixth month of 2020. If you have been following our series, we relaunched 2020 at the beginning of this month. We challenged everybody to examine their life, to reimagine the possibilities, and to exhaust every opportunity that they've had before them. And tonight, is un- it is unlike any other night. We're going to be examining a central question. Here, here is the framing question for the evening. How important are early childhood programs within, to children within minoritized communities? Notice I didn't say minority communities. I said minoritized communities, which is the perspective of someone else who happens to be in a superior class, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's classified by dominant race and or central power that says that our children have been minoritized, marginalized, and placed in a perspective where now their needs ex- it, it, their needs supersede their resources. So how important is early childhood programming to our, our children? And tonight I have on a scholar and a gentleman loved by many, known by the world. Uh, he has been calling himself, I've known this brother now for nearly 20 years. It feels funny to say that, man. But yeah. we've known each other now nearly for 20 years. He's been an early, he's been an early childhood education for nearly 30 years. And he has been impacting the lives of children and families around this nation with a specific local work to Detroit. So now welcome to the to the drawing board podcast, other and my friend, Dr. Wayman Hayes. Welcome, thank sir. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for allowing me to be on the show. I'm blessed and highly favored to be here. Thank you so much. Absolutely, man. Listen, I, I laughed to myself. I said, when we first met, uh, both of our hairlines were probably like right here, you know? <laughs> and, and listen, as we get older, you know, they, the, that hairline starts to do back flips. And I said, I'm probably about maybe two or three years away from joining you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it looks good, my brother. It looks good. Thank you. Uh, we have been in each other's lives, uh, seeing us have children, uh, your children graduating, going. my children going from uh, pre-K to middle school. Now I have a daughter going to high school. I've seen I you started become, over. Man, started over. I started I've seen, over. I've seen you become a grandfather. Right. And yeah. I mean, so like we've seen each other in different phases of phases of life. And uh the one thing that I've always seen resident in your life and is a passion to impact the lives of children and families. Can you talk to me, man? Where does that passion come from? You know what? I always tell the story of how my mother started off uh leaving Chrysler years ago, back in the early uh, late seventies, early eighties. And she enrolled me into the program and from the program, they really encouraged her to go back and follow her dream as an early childhood professional. She started off with just no high school diploma GED and with the encouragement of staff, she got her GED. She got associates, a bachelor's, she's a master's 
and she's a licensed therapist. Uh, yeah, keep on, retired. Listen, let's let's not gloss over that though, because yeah. I I want people who are listening, especially amidst COVID, people are having to go back and reexamine what their mm-hmm. dreams are. So you said your mom left a job at Chrysler, mm-hmm. right? Left. Well, they they at- they shut down, and she had to leave. So when the Jefferson, I mean the, the plant left years ago on Connor, I think it was Connors. Uh, okay. They shut that plant down, and so she was laid off. Yeah, right. But guess how many people find themselves in that same exact exactly. position today, where the job may have downsized. Now you have to look at what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So your mom enrolled you into the Head Start program. They encouraged her to go back and get her GED. She ended up getting her her bachelor's and now her master's, and she's a licensed uh, therapist. Mm-hmm. And so, all through that, through the yeah. encouragement of the staff, the people there, yeah. Head Start was really community-based organization to not just the child. Everybody look at it as a a school just for kids or a daycare center. No, it's more bigger and important than that. We encourage families. We help families set goals. Uh, And I've seen this through my family life, through my growth, throughout the program as well, because I came into the program with just a high school diploma, uh, a young man, silly, playing around. I was 20, had two kids, and with the encouragement of the same staff, some of the same staff, the people, the discipline of them to me, the encouragement, the uh, good times and the bad times. Absolutely. And so you getting a chance to see a living example of what it means. Uh, Drake is not the first person that said it started from the bottom. Now we're here. He didn't. He is not the first person to claim that. But literally, uh, I listened to you talk about the hard work of watching your father go to work and uh, his tenacity with working, and then also watching your mom, uh, you know, start over, uh, pursue her dreams, and then that same organization uh, with some of the same staff were there to encourage you. And 30 years later, uh, you're a director of er the early learning program and youth development programs at Focus Hope. You know, and so if people would have looked at the genesis of where it started, they wouldn't have been able to predict the outcome of where you are today. You know what? And the thing about it is, is that through the time I had a lot of folks that encouraged and supported me. Uh, and that's where my drive come from. It's about the opportunities. Um, every CEO I didn't work for, they really not, they did not instill into us or a director about just giving handouts. It's about giving people opportunities. And that's where I feel like my guilt is from using all the skills that I have, all the uh, folks I know, and just try to give people opportunities to grow into where they want to be. That's good. That is, uh, that's a great paradigm shift uh, for leaders, uh, where you're not giving people the answer or giving them handouts, but you are ushering them into greater opportunities. Watch this. And I know that you have to be patient with their growth, yes. patient with their development. So talk to me, Brother Hayes. During this COVID time, man, what have you and your staff been doing uh, to impact the lives of the children and families that you serve? So right now, I mean, we are individuals that's real in tune. We we grind. We, have to, we used to be at the job from 7, 8 o'clock in the morning up to 7, 8 o'clock at night because of the drive in the people. Uh, and we want to see people grow. But right now, with the limited stuff that we can do, we've just been really passing out diapers. We've still been making connections with individuals and organizations to uh, 
help families out by getting resources by passing out diapers, milk, formula. Uh, we connected with a lot of partners that help people pay light gas bills, uh, cell phone bills to individuals, get them connected to the Internet. We still partner with uh, New Paradigm uh, Glacier Elementary Loving uh, to help kids support them through their summer activities as far as uh, literacy program, uh, health and wellness, mentoring, doors of success, young men in motion. We just trying to find, uh, really reach out to people and see what the needs are and help support them in that, whether it's a partnership or whether it's us individual that's doing it ourselves. Yeah, man, I've seen so many pictures of your staff there, uh, whether it's daytime, nighttime, maybe took a little lunch break uh, to get some pizza. I've seen you all uh, volunteering with um, uh, Governor Whitmer, yes. where you guys were helping to pack boxes. Uh, I've seen you all. And I know when, when you're used to uh, providing resources on a, a, a larger level, um, when you say, I'm just handing out diapers. Or just, no, that diaper is, is needed. You know, uh, that milk or that formula is needed. I can't tell you. I know you remember being a, a father, a young father, or starting over again. Listen, when you're sitting there and that last diaper is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you got to make that quick run. And it, and it seems and, uh, to be there. A lot of times it's not even just about the resource. It's about the connection with the community that I am your brother and I'm able to help you meet a need. I'm great. I know there's conversations that were had uh, just to ask them how they were doing, uh, what else did they need. And those are the things that makes community conversations, willing to have those tough conversations uh, about encouraging people. And, you know, sometimes people think, and I would love to get your perspective of this. Sometimes people think encouragement is just motivation and inspiration and kumbaya. But sometimes encouragement is calling somebody on the carpet. Uh, exactly. Yeah, to hold them accountable, right? So uh, relationship without accountability will eventually lead to some level of abuse, right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I, I that. Yeah. And that's what I love about our team uh, that we yeah. have to focus on. So not only just the early learner team, but our wonderful CEO, yeah. every director there, we hold each other accountable. And it's not like we encourage mess. You know, we support each other, but you get called to that carpet. A lot of times, you know, my mind always flowing, always ready to grind and always ready to do something. And um, I just feel like it's nothing I can do. But sometimes my CEO called me a carpet, like, slow down, <laughs> stick to your plan and the team as well. So, I mean, it's about a great team. It's about collaborating with individuals and doing what you're great at doing and let other individuals do what they're great at. That's good. So now, man, let's dive into it. Let's let's talk about it. Um we are amidst two pandemics, one being racially motivated, the other one being motivated by uh, the coronavirus, mm-hmm. uh, COVID-19. How important are early childhood programs in developing our children for the future opportunities that will come out of this post-COVID? So it's real important, and the reason why, because right now you see schools are shut down. Everybody, so we're dealing with a situation that we never dealt with before in this gener- in generations now. And right now, to develop the child at a young age and get them um, developmental tools, it will help them along the way. 
right now with our early education program with the babies helping them develop, but it's real important for our four-year-olds that's going to kindergarten. Okay. Because them them skills right there, the development skills that we're placing them to now will help them to the third grade. If these kids not reading by third grade, they are in trouble. Yeah. They're in trouble. No. And then, huh? yeah. no, check this out, Hayes. Here's what I find problematic. And I would love I want your perspective on this. Is that a lot of children, uh specifically within Metro Detroit, are not coming to school until first grade. Mm-hmm. Because kindergarten is not required. Right. Some are not. Uh, and when people talk about, well, I can't afford daycare. Well, if you can't afford daycare, Head Start is available. Mm-hmm. You know, it's income-based, income-required, you know, or Great Start or Great Readiness Program. There are programs out there that are income-subsidized or totally free. They and- are income-subsidized, but right. Well, we structure. I don't talk about us. You know, yeah. I, mean, I can't talk about nobody else organization. Okay. But we have to do wraparound services. I'll talk in an urban community. You find individuals that are looking for work and trying to do better for themselves. The obstacle is hard. It's easy to sit around at home and do nothing at all and send your kid to school just for babysitting services. But individuals that really are trying, the obstacles are there. You have kids that's twelve and thirteen trying to pick their kids up from school because the mother have to work. We are having fathers now that's getting back involved in the kids' life and supporting women, but it's not a lot. That's why we had a Men in Motion program to really help fathers understand it's important. You are the difference. You don't have to be with that woman, but you have to support that woman. It's for the kid. It's not about her. It's for the kid. But a lot of mothers are struggling because they're trying to work two jobs. Some mothers are trying to go back to school. Requirements of education and some jobs to make your money and career-wise you have to go to school. So we have to do more, not just open up from 8.30 to 3 o'clock. Because you know and I know, you have to work eight hours on the job. Right. And some people may be late, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, <laughs> but it costs you. But you really need early childhood services for 10 hours or longer hours to give folks time enough to get to work comfortable and to get back. So we create that space in our location that we open from six o'clock in the morning to 6 p.m. And sometimes that's still not enough for a lot of families that we serve. Um, so that's why we, with us, we create a lot of different programs with the mentor because, you know, a working parent, we try to steal a lot into our kids, but you know, and I know that time there. So it takes a village to raise a child and where we place our child at in any village are important because they're not going to gain everything from us. We have to put them in the right environment. So that's why we try to create a right environment for each one of the kids and also for the parents to flourish and grow as well. Excellent. Excellent. Now, when you were talking about wraparound services and you were talking about the developmental needs of the children, um, you know, zero to four, Mm -hmm. particularly, of course, we know the language. We're in that industry. But what break it down for us? What are wraparound services? Uh, so, that you provide specifically at Focus Hope. So the wraparound is really that uh, child care, someone to really take care of the child from 6 in the morning to 8.30 to class time actually start. And then in the evening from 3.30 to 6 o'clock, somebody's there to watch the child, whether they're early Head Start child, Head Start child, or somebody from youth development to help them with the homework, to help them physical activity, 
We have a uh, Detroit, we work with Detroit Food Academy to help the older kids be able to prepare meals so when they're at home with their young ones, they can prepare a meal in the safe environment they're in. And it's not trying to cook anything. So we give them uh, meal prep classes. They can prepare decent meals, healthy meals, and so their parents come home for themselves, for their younger uh, siblings. Uh, photography, the health and wellness. Our kids sit at a video game all day, but how do you get active? How do we get them active? Uh, and a mentor, because a lot of kids are suffering through the self-esteem. Years ago, we was kids that we, kids were seen, but not heard. But now the kids are heard in adult conversations. Kids are heard throughout. And so now they are taking the stress of the parent because they're seeing more. Right. Parents are talking to kids more about different things. Years ago, kids, if a parent and a light bill was about to be paid, kids didn't know about that. Now the kids know that and they feel that. So how do we get a kid an outlet to really talk about things and to better understand what they're experiencing. It's, it's really like, like we putting a lot of stuff in front of our kids, but how do we make them teachable moments about everything that they do? So them right. the wraparound services that we offer. That's good. So you, you guys offer before care, after care. Yes. You offer uh, enrichment opportunities as far as tutoring. I saw you all had some partnerships with some very uh, well-known mentors in the city of Detroit. I saw Phil Black. Yes, he used to, uh, we use his curriculum for the fatherhood and the young men in motion. Uh, Charlotte Moore, we use Doors of Success with her. Um, oh, yeah. That's, is that, that's, far literacy program. Huh? Yeah, that's uh, with Charlotte Moore. Is that the Diamonds? Diamonds. Yes. Okay. Yes, Diamonds. Yes. And the kids love it. Uh, the work that she does with the young girls is spectacular. And even with uh, Kurt Blackwell. The work he's doing over there, a sound body, sound mind. I mean, right. there, kids love it. The partnerships we have, and to be honest, the partners that we have don't need, they give us a discount because they see the work we're trying to do with the kids. You know, and I know we're nonprofits really don't we work off donations or we write a grant here, and sometimes it's not enough. So they look at what we have and try to make it work because it's for the betterment of the kids. A lot of us are from the urban community. And a lot of us are still inside of the urban community where we are at and still working here as well. Right. I love it, uh, especially because uh, those mentors bring their life experience uh, that's harnessed in what it is that they teach, what they promote, uh, the type of character that, that they present uh, to the children from you and your staff. Now, you have a uh, almost an anomaly, uh, something that is unseen. Uh, with exception to a few places that I know in the nation, and that is their direct motive. Uh, you have a lot of African-American male teachers within your program. Talk to me about uh, why that was important to you, your strategy, and then talk to me about some results. Like, give, me, give me some uh, results and some benefits of having black male teachers uh, within your program. So when I started Head Start, it was only three males. There was two male teachers and one male family service worker. Rest of soul, uh, rest of peace, uh, Daryl Sanford. And, yes, sir, and also Sanford. Matt Merton. We was the only three guys there. Um, mm-hmm. And as we began, I can see the difference in the kids. I can see the difference that I was making in the kids. And I had to grow and mature into that. And it took a while to mature that, but I did grow into maturing it. Right. Uh, but at the same time, that's when I began to call myself Dr. Hayes because they never understood Mr. 
they were all call me always call me Mrs. Hayes because they all they see was women. Right now, in a lot of lot of nonprofits, you have not many black men that's involved. You don't have that many black men that are working, and the black male voice is not being heard in the family lives as well as in a lot of these organizations. And we stick with early child education. There's not a lot of men in education at all. You know, and I know, boys learn different. Boys react different. Boys and even the females. At the same time, they react different around men, and they need to see both perspectives. Our voice needs to be heard in decision making. Our voice needs to be heard when we make policies about the kids. We need to just be totally involved in everything that's going on. So the strategy was um, a lot of young men. When I was at Southeast, they came into it, and we all worked together. We all stayed in touch. And when I be I was at Chrysler for a minute, you know, you know, I was at Chrysler when I left Chrysler to come to Focus Hope. I reached back out to a lot of them same men and asked them to come over there and be that impact. So we have male as family service workers that's involved. We have male, we had an all-boy classroom, two wonderful young men that are teachers in that classroom. We have a male site leader, our education specialist is one of the best, Jordan Irvin. Um we have a compliance manager who uh, is a male, Corey Shepard. So we have a lot of different men. We got a lot of men that's working in that space that give their insight. And also we have a lot of wonderful women at the same time that's giving their insight. And a lot of times we're going to have women battle it out to give different perspectives. But it's all about the whole and everybody can bring in their own experience. We all from the urban community. All of us from the urban community. So we see, we was close to the fire. I still stay in the urban community because I want kids to see, you don't have to leave. I'm trying to get people to come back. Honestly, come back and give your gifts and your talent for these kids. We are the equitable difference for these kids of stuff that people are not giving us. I got that word from you. Don't laugh. No, 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 it's all, all good. That's why I smiled. That's good. Yeah. I, I loved it. I loved it. We are the yeah. difference. And yeah. you got to understand it. If people don't give us the tools or you don't have the money, you are the tool. You are the money. So we got That's the it. best back. I refuse to let people come into our community, bring nonprofit programs and all the money go to the top and everybody leave the community and leave our people behind. We have to get more involved. We got to buy the property up in our community. We got to educate our kids. We just have to do better. But the only time that people can see or understand it, if they see it, it's easy for us to get out there and down, down talk people and complain about what people are doing. But what are we doing and what opportunities are we creating for these individuals? In our program, we created a CDA program. So a lot of our st- majority of our staff were parents. A lot, All of our CDA students was parents that we put them back in school, whether it was Henry Ford, Rochester. We gave them a CDA opportunity. They received a CDA and they're going to go through. I can see one of them. I'm not hijacking no director role. So don't get it twisted. You ain't going to see me in the same role in the next five years. Right. It's time, my time to grow in and grow up or grow out to give other people opportunities to come in. And you're going to see one of them in this director role. And it's my responsibility as a leader to steal everything I know, tell them the good, the bad, the ugly. So when they get to that spot, they know how to handle it. Yeah, that's, that's called transparent leadership, uh, where leaders who are what I found, and we've been doing this transformational work now, like you said, over 30 years, close to 30 years. 
uh, you run into some of the same type of leaders, particularly uh, the industry, depending on the industry you're in. Uh, generally visionary leaderships, uh, transformative leaders, um, and they are generally strong personalities. Right. Uh, you know, very strong personalities uh, who either learn that trans that uh, the ability to be um, uh, transparent in their right. leadership so that people under them grow, uh, or they are autocratic leaders, where mm-hmm. it's very, you know, mm-hmm. and in those organizations, they generally are compliant, but they don't grow. Right. And programs that don't grow, you know, is business. You either growing or dying, right? So exactly. And, and so those programs we've seen over the years have fizzled out because people are not going to pour, uh, continue to pour money after programs that are just compliant, right? And partnerships are huge uh, because when someone a grantee looks at distributing a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. they want to figure out how far can they reach with this disbursement. Now. People- People are not going to give you money to build if you're not building. People are not going to give you money if you just park and don't know why. I, who, none of us in the world is deal with people that move fast and impatient. <laughs> Let's be honest. Who yeah. want to sit in a parking car going nowhere? Absolutely. Nobody. So you have to stay relevant. You have to stay moving. You got to stay creative. We have a lot of creative people out here. We have a lot of creative. We got a million dollar thinking folks in our community. And That's it's right. Need the opportunity to put it out. Now I'm gonna tell you, Hayes, what I don't want to see happen post COVID, and well during COVID heading out is I don't want not another pro pilot program coming from a rural area into the urban settings to dictate what happens. Like I, I'm just gonna put it out there. I listen. I love Iowa. I don't want another program from Iowa. Right. I love all these other areas. Like if you are teaching in a rural area, that was a, well, you know me, I was a little vocal. Right. Uh, And as a family service worker with the work that we were doing with those 50 boys, Mm -hmm. uh, 50 young men is that we, we, we employed the high school curriculum. Mm -hmm. And we also, one of the points we're getting at is, is that we also prepared them to be able to read, to write their name, mm-hmm. uh, to you know, do basic computation, mm-hmm. uh, all of those things. Uh, their their music and movement, all mm-hmm. those different develop their gross and fine motor skills. We helped them. We uh, gave them action figures to play with. You know, right. we still had the stove there to teach them. You know, to integrate and to cook. And here's the one thing that I I, I thought about when we were sitting here talking about how important is the male, the man to be present in early childhood is that when you talk about head start, everything is considered family style, right? From the way that we serve our meals, from the way that we engage uh, our children from the door where, you know, we were greeting at the threshold uh, years ago before it became a popular classroom management. Right. Exactly. Right. We were, we were already doing that. That's just good customer service. We had somebody at the front door letting people in and we had somebody at the classroom door greeting them. So you got greeted twice and you got let in the door mm-hmm. and you got greeted. Um, the young man, young men had to go hang up their own coats, had to get their own toothbrushes. And one thing, and I'll, I'll toot, toot, beep your own horn, uh, is that you as the site director for the male Academy, uh, those young men, by the time they finished and now it was tripped out, Hayes is some of them have graduated college 
and have started their own families mm-hmm. um, is that they left the program uh, knowing not, knowing how to count right. uh, and know how to count in Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. They left the program knowing how to write their name. They left the program knowing their shapes, their colors, uh, you know, the alphabet. They left knowing phonics. Mm-hmm. Uh, they left knowing an affirmation. Uh, and they left with a sense of confidence because the men on a daily basis were pouring into their lives. So I just want to say, man, great job in leading that initiative because you, we've, seen, we've seen the fruit of that. We've seen them go into uh, the armed forces, where it be the Navy. Right. I'm thinking specifically of a young man. Yep. The Navy, uh, they are working men. Um, who One of them there with me right now. One of them is working with you. He's a center A right now, and he's scheduled to enroll in Rochester College this fall. One of them. Yep. Man, that think about how rewarding that is. You know, sometimes in life they always say, "Hey, is that we may plant a seed, but never get a chance to see the harvest of it." And for us as men who who work in education, and of course, man, we could be doing a million other things, exactly. making you know two or three times the the money, but. Our community is important to us. Exactly. And so the harvest of that, man, is huge. And that's that's the thing about it. I was listening to a message, T.D. Jakes. I listened to T.D. Jakes a lot. And he was talking about the seed need to be planted in the right soil. Okay. And it's our responsibility. Because you can have a good seed. If it's planted in the wrong soil, it will never grow. And so that's what our team tried to create, that perfect soil. Soil for everybody can grow in it. The high school curriculum, which we use now, I tell people, use the high school approach. The yes. approach to learning. But you are the gift. You are the two. You know what the kids need. We use a lot of data. We have a data-driven program. Every decision, people might say, well, hey, just, you know, it's about, if what the data say, that's what I'm sticking to. It's the data. It's the best practice. And it's just that that uh, vision and that drive that you have, that um, where I'm looking for, uh, I lost it. Dang, I'll come back to it. But that drive that you have, instincts that you have, yeah. that makes you know what's right and what's not right to do. So we use all that and we don't allow. I got this one thing I say, I never come and teach a classroom and tell them how to run. And I tell them, don't let nobody come in your classroom and run because ain't nobody gonna come in my space. I'm real controlling of my space. And I tell everybody, control their space. Know the policy, but at the same time, look at what you have. Get totally involved in the kids that you're working with. Get them totally involved with the families so you can know. The ones closer to the fire can tell you how hot it is. Can't nobody come from outside and tell me how hot the fire is because I get involved with the parents, get involved with the students, get involved with the staff, and take all the information. And that's how we make the best decision for the families. We don't, we model and see what people are doing and we look at it. Okay. That's the theory behind it. But we take that theory and look at what the families need and what the family situations. And then that's when we create that best practice for the family. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. So when we think about it, Hayes, we're looking at if a lot of kids aren't getting into school until first grade. Right. And if that third grade reading law, uh, where we're looking at the school to prison pipeline, and I, so of course you have them young, uh, younger than I do, uh, right. but I do. I know across not just my district, 
but across Metro Detroit and other uh, metropolis, there are students who in first grade cannot write their name, cannot recognize their name, don't know colors, shapes, uh, don't know don't know how to write the alphabet. Sometimes uh, Hayes don't know how to hold a pencil correctly. And, and that's, yeah, yeah. I mean, and this this is a reality. So that's the reality. Asking, it's a reality. And when you're asking a first grade teacher uh, to implement a new curriculum, which is designed in higher order thinking and teaching kids to problem solve and complex issues, but fundamentally there are some, there's a huge gap for that kid mm. day one. Then we're talking about third grade, that child has a greater likelihood they're making decisions that that child will most likely go to prison instead of college. And right now, I know everybody feared from Corona. I, I had a lot of friends who passed away and it was hard. It, it took me into a depression for a minute because people died. And I'm like, okay, what about me? You know, scared for a minute who will be there for my kids you start making plans but fear i believe in god completely god don't give you the spirit of fear number yeah. one so i don't have that fear now you know I, I get up out of there quick but i'm looking at our kids and our future this theory that the kids gonna learn online is i hate to say it it works for a minute but it's not going to work. Every kid don't learn the same. Right. And developmentally, our kids are already behind. We looked at our test scores of a lot of kids, grades, I'm sorry, grades of a lot of kids from schools that we was working with. And the kids was already in the fourth grade, reading that second grade. Right. And then they've been out for a while. How do we help get the kids back up? So that's why we're focusing more on literacy and how do we approach it in a way some of parents are working. A lot of parents have to get back to work. So nobody's at home with kids. Older siblings at home with kids. If you really ride through the community, you see kids outside early in the morning, but they're still outside late at night. Right. Nobody's in the house in the urban community. No one. You go outside, you see it's good because communities did come together. People came together. They have a block party. People walking back and forth. But we have to look at the fact, how are we going to develop these kids to get them back to that to the right spot when they was already behind. And that's my fear right there. How are we going to catch it back up? Even my son, my boys, bottom line. I mean, they. I'm trying to be online and do Zoom calls all during the day and right. really not focusing on them supposed to be on Zoom as well. So it's like, either I'm going to feed you or I'm going to stop working and educate you. Can't do both. And uh, But I try the best I could. And I'm asking parents to try. I'm asking people to try. And I'm asking teachers that or in areas that they around kids anywhere, it's time to educate them. It's time to pull these books up. It's time to get these kids in a field where the grass is cut and give everybody a book. Get them active, but give them a book. Make them read something. Right. So it, it even challenges uh, the way that we approach education. Uh, exactly. it, challenges, it challenges the way that uh, we view the curriculum that we're presenting to our children, mm -hmm. whether it's culturally relevant, whether it actually you know, helps them develop the, the inner greatness, whether it reflects them, uh, where in where within the curriculum do they see themselves reflected back? Is this another is this another oppressive structure that it, it defeats their confidence? Because, you know, as, a, as an educator, 
And good, great educators, uh, they naturally do this, but some have some have to be taught. It doesn't matter, you know, whether you mm-hmm. do it naturally or you have to be taught. Is that if you that's that's why the teacher started with review, because if you start with a success, if the kids start with the success, if they mastered the initial material you present, then it uh, it enables them to stretch or everybody's talking about the stretch growth and it, it enables them to stretch or open up to learn something new. Right. But here's the question. What happened to the kid who doesn't even comprehend the review? Right. And so we build this adaptive program that's supposed to meet them where they are, but we don't. And here's if somebody figures this out, this is the million dollar answer. Uh, and this will make somebody very wealthy. When you're trying to figure out what is the proper way to create an intense level of engagement, leveraging technology and being able to show in the numbers, because, you know, what we're using as far as to determine growth and proficiency, we're using standardized metrics, right? Standardized. Mm -hmm. And we already know that the standardized test has within it a cultural bias that does not reflect the minister to black and brown children. Right. Mm -hmm. And so now one of the, one of the things that I loved about what what I see you doing at Focus Hope, I love, I love how you're leveraging data and all of that. Mm -hmm. You're giving the kids a strong knowledge and sense of self. Right. Like, the man who knows who he is can develop the skills that he needs, right? Mm-hmm. And so that is what's important that I see happening. Like when we work together, uh, we help them build that confidence. And when a child has confidence, they're not afraid to make mistakes. And learning is literally about mistakes. <laughs> making some mistakes, learning from it. And so to all of the educators that are listening, all of the parents that are listening, uh, of course, I'm endorsing uh, focus, uh, focus, hope, focus, hope, focus, hope early in the days. Please make sure you reach out to him. But I'm also challenging you to allow your children to make as many mistakes as possible in the learning process. Uh, the pressure that you put on them to just be perfect at the first try will actually discourage them from taking risk. Exactly. You have to be honest exactly. with yourself. The job you have right now is because you took a risk. Or the job you don't have right now is because you failed to take a risk. Uh, I always bring this up, Hayes. When I started my business, and I'm still learning a lot about business, but this German guy who lived in he was my neighbor. Uh, He was in his 90s out there cutting grass. And he pulled me to the side. He said, come here, young man. I went over. He said, I see you started a business. I said, yes, sir. He said, I got something to tell you. You make it to 90 something years old, I'm definitely listening, you know? <laughs> and uh, and uh, he said, Well, the worst thing that can happen to you is that you learn something. And from and I was already already a, a risk taker, mm-hmm. but from that point forward, I realized that if my objective is to learn, then it's impossible for me to fail because this is just a part of the learning continuum for me to try, for me to not quote unquote succeed for me to gather that data and continue to move forward. And now I think here's, if you ask me, Hayes, I want to wonder what you think about this. I think the next nine months for school districts across America to go back to the fundamental basics of teaching our children how to read and write. Mm -hmm. We talk about this educational gap for minoritized communities and marginalized children 
Now is the time we can take these next nine months, go back to the basics. And I can already hear that parent saying, I work with my kid, my baby know all. Okay, that's where the adaptive curriculum will come in and your child can still get that year of learning. But there is a great, a great portion of children that just need, you remember uh, reading Rainbow? You're right. Yeah, take a look. It's in the book. It might be online now, you know, just leverage whatever the, the medium is. But the thing is, when you teach a child to read, you open up a world of opportunities. And that's the key. Literacy is the key. And yes, sometimes parents don't understand how important it is. I remember uh, my father, my mother was an educator. My father worked at Christ as well. He retired after 35 years. And yes, he wanted me to work in a plant, honestly. When we working, he's like, why are you working there changing diapers? Uh, and he always used to make this joke of, well, I have a third grade reading level and I make more money than both of y'all. And at the time he was at the plant, he was making $30 an hour. And right. he working all over time and he coming home like, this was a third grade read level. When he retired, he had a pension during that time. And he like, I got this pension. Y'all ain't gonna have that. And in some facts, he was correct in a lot of stuff he said. But that was doing his time and that was the skill set and that was what he needed to take care of us. But now it's a new day and a new time. The plant, I give it up to all the plant workers that's working hard, continue to do that. I give it up to all the educators. We need everybody to do what they are good at. And what I'm asking educators to do, because I was teaching the like I said, where I was teaching that, but uh, I had majority of my students were Caucasian. And uh, a lot of them was looking to work in an urban area. A lot of them worked in an urban area. But I, during the conversation, I can underst- I understood that they was working in a space of which folks they didn't understand. So I like, I want the class to read Precious. So I had them read Precious. Um, and a lot of them read it. And um, we played the movie in class. And I had them do a paper on it. And I said, look at this movie and tell me how would you have helped and support this family? And the biggest issue is that we do have individuals coming to the city with a lot of ideas, working in a lot of areas. But we work with kids we don't understand. We can't use the same mindset as when we was kids, how our parents raised us to bring it into the educational field now or what we learn in school. We have to update ourselves. We have to constantly read and be updated. I learned so much talking to the youth. <laughs> I learned a lot. These kids are way far advanced in the good things and the bad. And you have to meet them where they at, and you have to. Every moment is a teachable moment. It's a teachable moment for yourself, but it's also a teachable moment for them, and help them understand. Okay, this is where you're at now, but just not where you have to be. Uh, but it's, it's this whole educational field is in Head Start youth development. These kids that we're working with, kids that we're dealing with, they need us. They may think that we older now in our forties. Uh, early 40s, we ain't that old. We just started young <laughs> at all. Completely. Okay, yeah, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still late 30s, brother. Late 30s. Okay, okay, late 30s. You still ain't got the. I'm, I'm 44, so I'm early 40s. Right, right. Uh, 37, 37, 37. But I came into when I came in, we really recruited. Uh, I came in recruiting in Southeast right. years ago when it was called New Calvary, and we went door to door and build relationships. So I learned how to build on relationships, and that's the key right now. What we still use. I run into people, a lot of our families come throughout the whole city of Detroit. So a lot of them are not exactly right there in the Focus Hope area. They come from everywhere. 
and they come from everywhere based on relationships. When I worked at um, for the guidance center, I had families come from Detroit, oh yeah, the River Rouge. People follow people they trust and they have relationships with. And I just encourage every program to build relationships with the people and to get involved with them completely. And tell your story. I always tell the guys, I say, okay, when I start off as assistant teacher, I'll start off at $6.95 and trying to take care of family. I worked at Southeast and I worked at Blockbusters. Blockbusters, $4 something. That's how I made the $10. It was $4.25, and $6.95. That was what I made. And as I began to grow, it was not about the money. It was never about the money. It was about the growth and the goals that I set myself, set for myself. It's just most recently now I'm just working on one job and my business on the side. I do a lot. You know, you know me. I do a lot of stuff. People don't understand. People might see uh, you got this, you do this. I make a lot of sacrifices. Number one, I invest a lot of money to stuff. One thing I'm always going to have is a, a nice car. I mean, that's, that's one piece, but everything right. else, it's not, it is what it is. But uh, the bottom line is what you good at, use that and grow with it uh, constantly. Just continue to grow and um, stick with it and just tell people. I mean, I share my story all the time with the with the fathers and the educators. When I came in, I didn't believe in the curriculum. When I came in, I didn't believe in the whole piece at the beginning. But over time, I matured into it. I made some mistakes, so I share the mistakes with everybody the mistakes I made. But I grow into it. I'm going to make some more mistakes, bottom line. <laughs> but I'm going to grow into it. And everybody, like you just said, we live in this world that everybody wants to be perfect. You want the perfect president. You want the perfect mayor. You want the perfect this. Everybody wants perfection. But it's not a perfect person. It's about the person with the dream, the drive, the ability to make stuff happen. And to get stuff done, and yeah, opportunity well, set other people because it can't be about you. It can never be about you. Never right. give what you gonna give, and even if you give it, you give it from your heart. If it don't come back right, God is gonna bless you from it. Uh, you know, God gonna bless you from it. I took care of a lot of people, and I did a lot of stuff for people. What I ain't getting nothing in return. I'm gonna look for nothing in return. Same people, you know. We people post all the time about backstabbers, haters. I might post a lot of different crazy stuff on there and not the end, but they don't pay me no mind because I don't care <laughs> at all because my mind is stay focused here on what I'm doing. Uh, but it's really the opportunity you get to people and not looking for nothing from it. The people will catch up sooner. Because, you know, we talk all the time. I, if, if I got some Facebook friends, I got some person going, I call you, Brian, we'll meet up, pull some bird and sit there and kick it. <laughs> yeah, just chop it up. <laughs> Because life, life is not one dimensional. Uh, life is not one dimensional. It, it is complex. Um, and, you know, living it out, uh, this human experience. And we can't expect perfection. The only thing that we can do is try to live as much as we know how, right. according to the values that we believe. Uh, I saw a post that you put up uh, one time. Uh, it was saying uh, to some people, I know I may have helped you. To other people, I know I may have hurt you. And to both of you, in some ways, one, you know, I was grateful to help and I apologize for hurting. Uh, there's there's a huge difference between, uh, especially when we're talking about restorative uh, practices, between impact and intent. Uh, I believe that most of us start off with the greatest of intent. Uh, 
but the choices that we make and the impact of those choices, they play out differently based upon the relationships that we have, right? Right. And so just like people who are, are coming to the city to teach, they start off very well intended, mm-hmm. but their intent to help actually can create hurt because they're not fully informed about who they're serving. Right? Exactly. And the more that we learn and the more that we, you know, uh, knowledge and wisdom has a way of humbling, right? Mm -hmm. But our humility makes us more effective, right? This work Mm -hmm. is done face to face, eye to eye, hand to hand. This is this education is a a revolutionary act that's done best on the grassroots level. Right. Uh, And and and, uh, one thing I always tell folks is you you may have more knowledge like book knowledge than a person that may live in urban areas or the hood or whatever. But Mm -hmm. education is not just relegated to your experience in the academic environment. This education is about life. This education is about a discovery of self and a knowledge of God and learning. Mm -hmm. And to me, like Dr. Hayes, that's why it was so important. Like you serve such a vital role, you and your staff, because you get a chance to encounter youth before someone has the ability to convince them that they are not intellectual, that they that they are not powerful, that they don't have an inherent value. Like you get a chance to pour that into them right. before life gets a chance to try to beat that out of them. You know what else? We pour it into the parents as well, because that's it. the key. The parents is the first teacher. You cannot educate the child but not educate the parent because the child is going to leave and go back to that environment they stay with us for six and seven hours or eight throughout the day but they go back to their reality and their reality a lot of people are living in bad situations i was always when we was talking about the shed in the uh the uh close in what's the, not the close in not like down um we had stand house the order stand stay in order we was talking about stay in order a lot of people are talking about, I can't believe people not standing. We had people that was in worse situations. You have two and three generations that stand in one house. You had a lot of molestation going on throughout that time. It's stuff that people have not talked about. People that's living in a comfortable environment, environment saying, I just can't believe people can stand. No, you had women that was getting in the best of violence situation, and it just was a lot of stuff going on that people could not attend for their own. Yeah, absolutely. Domestic violence was on the rise. Abuse was on the rise. And sometimes uh, some of our, our babies, uh, our families escape is when they come to school. Sometimes mm-hmm. school was the safe environment, the environment where they could eat at least twice and then get a bag to take home. Uh, it was the place where some of the kids got a change of raiment, a change right. of clothes. You know? I mean, so all of those things, man. And, and here's here's what we have to start thinking creatively about. So there are a lot of organizations that are out there with feet to pavement right now that are making a difference. I I know them. I know the leaders of those organizations. They're doing awesome work. Uh, I do say this with the utmost respect and challenged by it, then I'm talking directly to you. Um, When we come out of this post-COVID, uh, there are going to be a lot of people who have been awarded many years for being community leaders. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to account as to where you were during the crisis. 
you're going to have to talk about that. That it, that listen, when we when we clear the air, like one of the reasons that I respect you, my brother, is that I've seen you masked up, you know, gloved up out there serving the community. I know it's a risk. Mm-hmm. I know it is a risk. But when you talk about being dedicated to community work, the people you serve, it's always a life or death situation for them. Right. And, that's and so true. you're gonna have you're gonna have to answer for that. You're gonna people are gonna want to know when you reemerge on that microphone, where were you? Mm-hmm. Question I'm gonna lean in the camera. Where are you? <laughs> right now. What what have you been doing? You call yourself a community leader. What school are you supporting? What children and family have seen your face? Whether you need to put a mask on, a cape, a hat, whatever you need to do to stay safe. And I'm not disparaging or belittling the fact that we are in a pandemic. But if you're really, now I'm going to take my urban proclivity. If you really bought that life, that community leadership life, you've been out there. And I agree. Oh, yeah. And you know what? And that's true. And I can say some people are scared for a lot of different reasons. You're scared. What the song said, you're scared, call the police. <laughs> That's my excuse. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're in it, you got to be all in it. You got to be all in it. You got to be all in it. We just got to trust God and get all in it. And, That's right. you know, God get her the sense of right. I mean, you know, the right mind to the right thing. Judgment to make the best decision for you, your family, what you do. Yeah. But we can't serve people in fear. You can't serve in fear. You can't be scared to walk down the blocks that you have an organization in. You can't pull up, go in, in security, and walk back out. You can't be scared to pass out diapers, bags, food to the community you're in. You can't be scared to go walk and shake hands in a community you're serving people in. That's the issue that I have. That's the issue. I had a lot of leaders. My facts had to... Focus hope people, they are out there. Our CEO, I'm not putting her at a higher space than anybody else. Every CEO I've had at Focus Hope, they are out there. I've seen them out there. Every leader, they are out there in the community. Uh, and they make the best decisions based around what they know. But Focus Hope is the mission. You know, I'm a Sigma man, you know, community service, oh. service, you know. No. You know, that Sigma people. But people don't yeah. understand. Hey, people see me do this and see this, they like. They take it for some, they don't understand what it is. And people need to understand what they're making judgment calls on. We make a lot of judgment, uh, bad judgment, uh, dis- not calls, but uh, what am I, I'm lost in words again. I'm sorry. But we belittle, we talk about folks, and we judge. That's what I'm looking for. We make a lot of judgment calls about people because you don't understand them. You don't understand them. And you can't work with people you don't understand. And I tell people all the time, pick up a book, go to the internet, or sit down and talk to that individual and get a better understanding. Don't go off of what you heard. Don't go off. Your, your data going to tell you something. But you're going to look at that data, and you still got to have conversation with folks. You have to do surveys. You have to, you have to talk to these families that you're working with. And we're not talking... I'm saying we because I'm generalizing with everybody. I put myself in the boat. But people are not talking to these families. We're making a lot of decisions about when school going to open, when school not going to open. These kids are going to be farther behind. They're going to be far behind. And we just need to 
think about it and just make some better decisions about how we service the community. But I know what I'm responsible for. I can only do what I'm responsible for as a, a Sigma man. So I'm involved with that, involved and do my best to focus. So but when I come home, that don't stop. I'm involved in my community. I work on the West side, but I am an East sider. And I am right. totally involved in my community, whether it's come from buying homes, whether it's fixing up something, whether it's with the kids in the community, whether it's putting money in involved in something, whether it's getting other men involved, females involved. I am involved and I'm asking everybody to get involved. Don't just sit back and talk about it. Get involved. That's good. So. Dr. Hayes, we are we are near the end of our It's gonna be two hours, here. man. You got me all worked up and oh, stuff. You know, they my daughter's hey, birthday. Hey. So we gotta have a two-hour session. You know, we, we get to oh, talk. We can hey, see you all day get yeah. to talking. Look, oh, we can chop it up, man. <laughs> so first of all, let's let's I want you to give a shout out to your daughter. I know her birthday is today. Yes, my baby girl Keila, my three-year-old, the last. I'm done, got my tubes tied. <laughs> <laughs> That is not 100%. I'm not burning bread. <laughs> I'm burning bread. <laughs> Got a tie, clip. No. But my uh, last one today is her birthday, Keela. She turned three today. Uh, Keela, yeah. shout out to her. Uh, my son, Cameron, birthday is on uh, July 7th, next, next week, Tuesday. So, um, And then my grandbaby birthday is July 10th. Uh, and then India's birthday is July 13th. So I I need to borrow a couple of dollars, Ebron, because there's a lot of birthdays coming around. Oh man, listen, I put I put it right in the console of your BMW. <laughs> 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 no, but if they want to get in touch with you or your organization, or if they want to have want to have more thought provoking conversation with you centered around early childhood, uh, community development, partnerships, program outreach, what you're doing at Focus Hope, how can they get in touch with you? You know, my email is Wayman, W-A-Y-M-O-N-D, dot Hayes at focushope.edu. That's Wayman Hayes, W-A-Y-M-O-N-D, dot H-A-Y-E-S, at focushope.edu. Or my personal email is drwrhayes at AOL.com. So it's Dr. Wayman R. Hayes at AOL.com. All right. Good deal, man. Listen, man, much love to you, my brother. And uh, continue up the great work. You know, this is just the beginning. Uh, we always say that, man, and nothing but God's grace and peace be upon you and your family as, man, you continue to set the example and make a difference in the lives of his children and uh, the families that we serve on a daily basis. All right. Love you, brother. Love you too, brother. Thanks. Peace.